One of the unintended consequences of launching this little podcast of mine, this little podcast of mine, uh, sorry, musical digression, is that I'm now I'm on the radar for publishing houses, and I get a kind of a steady stream of pitches for books as authors begin to launch uh, their new creations into the world. And I got to tell you, I'm not mad at it. I am a huge reader. In fact, that's that's probably an understatement. I, I inhale books through my eyes, through my ears, and honestly, if I could, I would sniff them right up my nose. I love stories. And one day I received a pitch about a yoga book called Yoga Wisdom. And I was about to dismiss it, not because I don't love yoga. I'm a huge fan of yoga, but it just, I couldn't imagine it being right for this particular podcast. But then I read the introduction and on the surface, I was like, well, it kind of seems like just another white lady yoga book. But as I read more, there's a lot more to it than that. The author is Stephanie Spence, who by all measures really seemed to have a charmed life. She was a former CEO of Spence Communications, where she published numerous magazines and was a journalist who got to interview people like, you know, the Dalai Lama and Oprah. I mean, Stephanie had it going on. She had money, she had connections, she had beauty, she had a great family life, the husband's killing it. But of course, Nothing is as it seems, and Stephanie's story is wild. It Yoga Wisdom is about her pursuit of freedom, because despite what the outside looked like, what the inside was, was a life of abuse, trauma, self-doubt, PTSD, nothing on the inner life was what the outer life looked like. And this book is about her journey to freedom, her journey out of self-doubt, out of abuse, out of, you know, this world where the self is so separate, the inner self is so different from the external self. And it's a journey that you will not believe. The story is crazy. And it culminates in a 4,000-mile road trip where Stephanie rents an RV that she calls Ted. (laughs) And she goes and interviews a hundred of the greatest living American yogis and gets their wisdom and brings it to us in this book. It's a great, great read. And while Stephanie's story is extreme, I wanted to bring it to you here because I think it's a story of all of us to a certain extent. We are all on a path to liberation and to freedom. And we're all trying to escape the things that trap us in small lives of quote unquote quiet desperation. And anytime I find someone who's walking that walk and doing it with courage and authenticity, I'm going to want to talk to them and I'm going to want to record it. And without further ado, this is the conversation I got to have with Stephanie Spence, otherwise known as the traveling yogi. Enjoy. I would like for you to read the introduction to your book. I'm very honored oh to do this. Goodness. Thank you I'm so much. I'm in my living room. I mean, yeah, I, I'm I just can't room. even believe I'm here. I'm such a big fan. I so. love it. I love it. Okay, let's hear. The setting, a luxurious villa on the Caribbean island of St. Barts. A wife and husband, along with several of his clients, are partying on a terrace overlooking the glittering ocean and the sun-kissed beach. They flew in from Pittsburgh aboard his private jet that morning. The woman seems to have it all. She's a self-made success story, wife, and mother. 
But beneath her mask of contentment and complicity, she hides a terrible secret. The price she's paying for this glamorous life is that she is living a lie. Their friends and acquaintances would say that she and her rich, powerful husband of 25 years never argue. Well, she doesn't argue. Why? She is terrified of being bullied, verbally dismissed, and belittled. As usual, she is expected to entertain her husband's guests, which means fulfilling their every desire, no matter how illegal. Submissive and compliant, her everyday mantra. Soon, the revelers want to kick things up a notch with Tystick, some of the best opium-laced marijuana money can buy, and they expect her to join in. She takes the stick, feels her stomach rebel. Her mind screams in protest. She brings the smoldering joint to her lips and hesitates. Her husband, waiting his turn, nods for her to take a hit. She parts her lips, ready to obey. Wait, what am I doing, she thinks. Selling her soul, giving herself away, putting toxic substances into her body because her husband expects her to be the life of the party. She drops the stick in a most deliberate way, oblivious to the gasps and protest. No, no more. She is done with drugs, drinking, and ass-kissing. <laughs> Ignoring one man's dash to grab the stick, now rolling across the patio, she turns to the man who had once bowed to honor and love her. His mouth moves, trying to form words in his shocked outrage. Before his drug-hazed mind can produce the vitriol he so clearly wants to spew, she blurts out, I want a divorce. A startled hush falls over everyone as they wait for his reaction, She's prepared for the worst of his explosive temper. Instead of denigrating her, threatening her, or pretending that he cares, he simply walks out of the villa. Minutes later, she hears him drive away. She excuses herself and holds up in one of the guest rooms to wait his return. The waiting is its own torture, and it's for nothing. She finds out that he boarded his jet and left her behind, but he wasn't done. The following day, he sends her an email with only one sentence. Your life, as you know it, will never be the same. Oh, God. So from there, because I want to start out just sequentially, you're living this like high-flying, amazing wealth, like you've got like Instagram perfect, even though this was before Instagram, life, and you have this moment of clarity, but it gets so much more complicated from there. Absolutely. In fact, so much more complicated than I could have ever even dreamed. And what, so the part that blew my mind after I read that is that you say you want a divorce, and the next thing you know, you're in rehab. Oh, no, it happened very quickly. And the way that it happened was in alignment with how my life was chaotic, quick without a lot of my involvement. I was nowhere in the decision-making process of my own life. And so how did you go from, you have this moment of voice where you didn't maybe have access to it as much in that relationship, but in that moment, in that villa, you're like, I found my voice. The next thing you know, somebody is making decisions for you to get you into rehab. Was your voice like, Stephanie, what the hell? Well, it kind of came and went. It was 
at a point in my life when I had given away my voice. So to have someone else designing things or convincing me of things was not new. Of course, that was a very slow process over a lifetime, but truth be told, I never had a voice. Mm. I bought into what family of origin, society, something outside of me told me none of it was good, Mm. and I was a great student. Mm. I bought it all, and the ramifications of that, never really having a voice, never really knowing that I could actually even listen to my own voice or intuition. I mean, you're a communications person. Mm -hmm. It's everything. It is. And I had nothing. But it's hard-earned, man. It's hard-earned, especially for women. But before we get into that, so why did you go to rehab? Well, I was convinced by my ex-husband that I needed help. (laughs) So I get home. And I immediately am walked into a therapist's office. Not of your choosing. Not of my choosing. Of course not. Not of my choosing. And I sit down, and it's so surreal because this very matronly, like kind of quiet woman sits me down and says, well, we can deal with this pretty effectively. If you come into my office, we could talk about your problems And I'm like, well, I couldn't even define for myself, Bronwyn, at the time that I was simply unhappy. I couldn't even define for myself. And married to a narcissist. Oh, clearly. Well, that I was pretty understandable about. Yeah. I mean, words had been floated around by people that were around him and myself, including bipolar, mm-hmm. depression. Mm-hmm. And yet he's psychopath. the one putting you into therapy. Well, but this is all called projection. Now, remember, when I walked right. into the office, right. I had never, A, known anyone who had been to therapy, never met a therapist, never heard of therapy, didn't know what therapy was. All I know is, is I was so terrified of him, and he said, you need help. I thought, oh, shit. I guess I need help. I guess I need help. So I'm sitting with this woman, and she says, you could come and we could talk about, you know, I understand you had a kind of a rough childhood, and, you know, things don't seem to be great. And, you know, clearly, I'm thinking, he's convinced me that I'm crazy because I want a divorce. Yeah, yeah. Because he's so perfect. Isn't that rich? Right, because he's so perfect. I had to be insane if I wanted a divorce, because my life should have been perfect. And that is right there. I think so many of us can relate to that, where when a relationship breaks down your own self-trust around what is real and what you're allowed to feel and what you're not allowed to feel. Right. And you were made to feel like, look at your perfect life. You must be nuts. No, no, no. I was told, you have a perfect life. You should have no complaints. You know, it was a how dare you. I mean, this was a man who had moved out of my bedroom, and I kind of took that personally. As one would. Right. But yet, (laughs) he convinced me that I didn't understand because he was stressed. And I mean, every single thing, every single day. Just gaslighting, gaslighting. Exactly. Now, these are all terms I have since learned. But then you didn't know them. No, you don't know what you don't know. What year was this, by the way? This was like... 12, 13 years ago. But now remember, my family of origin, two crazy parents, (laughs) 
with <laughs> narcissistic tendencies yep. and whatever. I mean, it was the only kind of existence that I knew and understood. And I had two older brothers and like 15 guys on my street. And I had been used to being bullied and Pushed you know, around. put down. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I did not know a world existed where there was positive things, mentors, inspiring people, women who were doctors. I mean, I lived in a middle-class neighborhood in Houston, Texas. But the best story I can even come up with, because I thought it was a great place, but like at five, I sent a letter to NASA saying I want to be an astronaut. And I got a letter back that said there are no girl astronauts. Oh, Jesus, I mean, God. I don't ever remember hearing yes about <sighs> anything. All I ever heard was no or you can't or... So he was just an extension right. of everything you believed reality to be. Exactly. In fact, if anything, I thought he was a better something than I had ever even envisioned when now that I look back, because that's so easy, mm -hmm. I realize that I really was just trained to go out and find him. Oh my God, you were groomed I to was find groomed your next to find captor. Him. Exactly. Yeah. And because I was a good student, yeah. and it's the only kind of love I ever knew to be manipulated and to be... And to be the good girl who goes along uh, with everything. And which I'm sure a lot of women can relate oh, to. Sister. Sister. People pleasing. Yep. I mean, I started taking care of my mother when mm -hmm. my father left when I was eight. I became the adult. Jesus. My father continued to move in and out of my life in the most horrific, horrible ways. I mean, I didn't know anything So else. you were groomed to be in a dynamic like this. Yes. But next thing you know, you're walking into a rehab right, because that you didn't even choose. No, but as I'm talking with this woman, mm -hmm. she is a professional, right. a doctor. And so as I'm listening to this person, of course, my default was, what did I do? What did mm -hmm. I do wrong? Mm -hmm. And in my marriage, he took credit for all the great things, and I was responsible for anything that wasn't great. Jesus. So of course, now I'm like going, okay, well, maybe I need to look at this. And of course, who doesn't want to be better? Of course. But at the same time, remember, in society, I am a page six darling power couple creator and owner of a health and fitness magazine. Yeah, you had your own career. But even more than that, I was health and wellness. Jesus. I was like, you know, a runner, did yoga. Empowered. Uh, right. I was asked to speak in, you know, women's forums, and I was a leader in the community. I was on committees to recast an image of the region. I was given a key to the city. Jesus. And yet, at the same time, I had no agency or voice in my own life. <sighs> Now, when you look back on that, that to me is that delta, that distance between the exterior self and the inner self to me is so interesting. Right. How did you reconcile it in your mind, your public face and your private face? Well, first off, I was told, like for instance, entertain clients because I was really good at it. I'm I was sure. always, and I would say, I'm going to put on my best Academy Award performance, but I had stepped into that mask so well, I had also done that to myself. Mm. And at the same time, I taught my daughters oh. I was irrelevant. Oh. I taught my daughters to put me last because I put myself last. Mm. And it's only with a, a lot of really deep soul searching. So you're right. I was quote unquote shipped off mm. to rehab, but thank God. You know why? Hmm. I did need help, mm. but not for what 
I was sent for. They thought you needed help. Yeah. Right. Because it was that first experience was a space big enough for you to explore a whole bunch of stuff that hadn't been explored. The first one was an incredible, the name of it's called Sierra Tucson. Mm. And it was an incredibly loving, supportive, for the first time in my life, loving, supportive place where I felt safe. Wow. But yet, the intensity of that was also new when you look at 47 years of your life, a month for 47 years. I mean, those things are yeah. so new. And at the time, they were even saying to me, you're going home and nothing's changed. You have. And I really think the message was, he was told she'll never be the same. But what's the interpretation of that? What was it? Well, he wanted that old girl back who <gasps> in the beginning just shook her head and yeah. said, yes, and oh, thank you, and my life's fabulous, and hid behind that mask and was his biggest champion and warrior. And my whole world revolved on his roller coaster of emotions, the highs, the lows, the ups and downs. I mean, I ne- didn't even have the agency in my own voice when he would go and clean out our bank account and take all our money. Jesus. And the amount of things, spiritually, financially, emotionally, physically, every form of trauma and abuse, I was in, yet I thought that was all old stuff. So to be inside of it, yet be able to step outside of it, you can't get well in the place you got sick. That's right. Now, granted, I wasn't sick, but yet I did need help. Yeah. And I think that's true. I feel like everybody needs therapy. Oh, everybody Earth, should go Earth to school Sierra is hard yeah. and we all deserve that space. And I think there's such a weird stigma around getting help that it's like, oh, you're crazy or oh, you're this. I feel like we yeah. need it to survive the human experience. In fact, I'm in all the new language around so many topics. And I think that's mm-hmm. the beauty actually of social media and people like yourself that are spreading wonderful resources and information mm. around simple things around mental health awareness, especially in there. I mean, there's a lot of countries where it's even more of a stigma than I mean, we're in California. I mean, Jesus, if you can't go to therapy in California, where can you You can't go go anywhere. But even in California, there's a stigma. Absolutely. And what I'm learning, too, because I live in a very military town in San Diego. We Mm -hmm. live in Coronado, where the Navy SEAL base is. Beautiful. I mean, there's a huge high propensity for suicide for returning vets, but yet you can't go in and say, I need help for PTSD. Jesus. So our society is very secretive around certain subjects, yeah. but yet once you crack open and go to the other side, like it or not, you can't come back. Yeah, you can't unknow it. No, you can't be unreal anymore. So I want to keep on this because I want to do the sequence of things and then I want to ask you other questions. But So you get out of this loving rehab environment yeah. where it's not that it's just like quote unquote rehab. It's a space for you to explore your own oh, psychology, making, your own story, your own history. Making huge leaps and bounds. Huge and leaps I've, and bounds. And, and I remember while I'm there, something that I had even hidden from my own psyche that I had been raped when I was 15, yeah. but in a safe place. And I can even speak about it now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they have tools. They yeah. have people that understand, but yet I'm in this bubble 
in that environment. Mm -hmm. And I was a little bit jealous at the time of people that were going home that were single because all they had to do was go home and start over. And change their world and their dynamic, which when you're single... Yeah. And they tried to explain it to me, but because it was all so new, I don't think I understood. And so they said, huh, well, you know what? Why don't you maybe go to another transition? And I looked at some in California, Mm -hmm. some around LA. And and so again, it's I chose the place that I went just based on some information they Mm -hmm. gave me. And the second place was a nightmare. The second place, you got to describe it. Because when I read in your book, I'm like, this reminds me of back in the day when perfectly sane women were committed by their husbands. Absolutely. And they threw away the key. Like, it was so terrifying. It was so terrifying. Like, and what I know now is a lot of people, I don't even know if it's still open. A lot of people did report it. And it was so crazy. And thank God I had that little gap of time. I knew it was crazy. And so... At the time, though, I was still trying to explain myself and convince someone of something. I don't do that anymore. Mm, Say more about that. What do you mean? Oh, no, I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything now. Mm. I know at a deep soul level who I am, and I'm okay with myself and love myself, flaws and all. But Mm. before, I'd go on this huge thing going, you know, because there's this insecure person who wants to be loved or Mm. liked or Mm. understood, or, you know, you need some type of parallel witnessing to validate who you are. And I had to get rid of all that. I had to get rid of every label. I was no longer a wife, a mother, a business owner, a parent, anything. I had You were I, stripped of all of your identities. And I had to say, who are you? Ugh. And do I like you? And in the second place, it was so insane that thank God I knew it. Yeah. But the problem was though is I was still connected to my past. And actually, thank God, I mean now that I have this great ability to step outside of my own experience and look at it, thank God they threw me out. Because what I and learned... why did they throw you out? Ah, well, what I learned is, is pretty quickly, people would get there, and I was there for so long. What I realized is they'd get there, and they would go, oh, well, no, 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 you need a little bit more. You got to stay longer. Mm. And so they would go home and get more money and stay longer. Racket. It was a total distraction. I mean, the people working there are giving drugs Jesus. to the people living there. And sleeping with some of the no people way. staying there. And if you voice any outrage, you're labeled a problem. I was a troublemaker because I was like, what is going on? Well, they didn't like that. Mm. So they called him back in. Him being your ex-husband. Yes. Okay. And said, she's causing trouble. What I had asked for was a fan. It was July in New Mexico, and we did not have a place to sit outside, and there was a place that people went to smoke, and they called it the butt hut. (laughs) And in this butt hut, like people would gather, and without somebody to talk to or whatever, you do hear these unbelievable stories of these people. You get to know the intimacies of people, and in this unbelievable heat in this horrible place... I went in and asked them, I mean, is there any way we could get like a fan? And they were like, you, with the fancy shoes and a plane, how dare you? And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. And all of a sudden, I finally, I was like, 
uh-oh, that wasn't a good idea. And I was trying to kind of stay to myself. I was doing the work. I was actually asking for more things to do. They kept on telling me, you're not going deep enough. You're not going deep enough. And you're and like, I'll go there. Oh my God, I called a friend of mine. The only sane person I had in my life was a man, Lewis, who is still, I talk to every day we do a check-in, every day that I'd met in the first treatment center. And I said to him, I think they want me to say I was abducted by aliens or something. But I think they want me to make something up that is just not there. I don't know what they want. Oh, because they're like, you're not going deep enough. And you're like, I've literally, there's nothing left for there's me to nothing. tell you. And no, they just want it. <gasps> no. And but did you ever get it was that a moment of panic where you're like, I am trapped here because yeah. the only person in possession of reality is my ex-husband. Yes. It was terrifying. That makes me freak out. So thank God you got kicked out. Thank God they kicked me out. Because I, though, at the time, though, thought I needed to be connected to him to go home and get my daughters. Oh, my God. But what is not in the book is that I was told, if you come back, you think a judge is going to give you your children? You've been in rehab. Oh, my God. And what I was told— Which actually isn't true because judges prioritize keeping families together. I don't know that. You don't don't know that. I don't know anything. I don't even know how to go out and get an attorney to get a divorce. I'm terrified because he keeps on telling me I'm going to spend one more dollar than you to make your life a living hell. You will never see your children And God only knows what he's telling your daughters all this time. You'll never know. I don't know. And it's really terrifying for me to tell you that one of the things that I was told when I said, I'm coming home is, wow, wouldn't it just be terrifying if you got here and your car careened off the side of a road from a flat tire or something? Wouldn't that just be awful? And you know what? I believed him. I never went home. I was so total fear. I am not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed to say publicly now that there are women that are afraid. You know why? There are penalties for upsetting the apple cart. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are. And women are afraid to leave. And especially if your partner, spouse, whatever is powerful. Yes. A pillar of the community, bunch of money. It's about money. I mean, forget it. When you can lawyer up, And you can smear somebody. I mean, it's been proven. You know, we have a climate now in our society in the United States where what is the truth? So you can, and you've been in PR, you can paint a picture of someone if you have a strategy and a plan and a team and a lot of money. And, you know, our culture believes men over women. That's why most of us don't report assaults is because we know we're not going to be believed. Or like, for instance, the woman that just at Stanford, oh, she yes. did try to do the right thing. Yeah. And got absolutely trash for it. And got- You're talking about Dr. Ford. Yes, I yeah. am. Yeah. It's so true. Okay. So let's pivot because it's about to get good. Hmm. You finally get the hell out of that cuckoo's nest vibe. Yeah, I do. Then your new life starts. Yes. And there was a honeymoon phase. There was a honeymoon phase because I had a condominium, thank God, in Arizona that I had purchased, and I had a key. Because at the time, it was a place that I was working on, I had left a key with the concierge at 
this condo. No way. So I actually had somewhere to, to go, go. Thank God. Which most women don't when no. they're getting out of this. They're shit out of luck. No, but what I do know now, yeah. though, is there are places that will hide you. There are places that will help you. I just didn't think I was one of those women. I had actually done a benefit in Pittsburgh for the Women's Center and Shelter with the help of a lot of people. I spent a year of my life doing a benefit for this group that there's five shelters actually in Pittsburgh that will help you and will hide you. I knew of these places. I just didn't think I was that woman. Well, God, the irony mm. of it, because when we think about, I don't even think we use the term battered women. When we think about women that are in abusive relationships, we don't think about privileged women. Well, but once you peel back the layers and get educated, you find out that the biggest abusers are doctors, police officers, professional athletes. And think about that. All of those women have access to money and power, but yet... But they have none of their own. Right. And so that's something that's lorded over them. Yeah. So you get to this... I mean, we were chattel just 100 years ago. We We were. We were were property. We couldn't get a credit card without our husband or brother co-signing for us as recently as the 70s. Exactly. So you get to this little slice of heaven. Yes. Haven. Yes. But you're on your own. Yes, which was good and bad. Yeah. It was good because I needed a little bit of a break. Yeah. And I needed some time to figure out what I was going to do. And naively, I just assumed everything would work out with the girls. I naively figured I could figure it out. And that was a part of the initial, I call it two years, where I somehow was still thinking, if I just did this, if I just did this, if I just did that. I'll win them back. Yes. And it took a lot of therapy and a lot of wonderful people to show me that usually in my situation, this extreme situation, which I had to kind of claim was extreme, was that it is not uncommon for abused people's children to then abuse them. Oh, Jesus. So... It took a lot of wonderful people to finally convince me that I wasn't just married to a a narcissist, but a psychopath, and that my children were brainwashed. And it's hard for me to even say that because there's always that sensor in my head that says, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Mm. Because initially when I would explain to people that I would meet, because it would eventually come around to... You know, so tell me about yourself. And I'm like, well, you know, and oh, so your children live with you. Well, no. And I got to where I wasn't willing to try and meet other women because you knew it would come up. It would come up. And there's so much judgment. Well, yeah. Or there's so much, how do you unpack all that for somebody that you just met you just that doesn't met. really understand, that doesn't know anything about you? You can't. God, it's so true. It's like you have such an extraordinary flight out of hideousness that when you meet somebody, it's just small talk time. Yeah. I mean, we're yeah. Th- and I was so lonely. I was so lonely. I didn't know a soul. I knew one person and I clung to her like dearly. And it was a woman that I had met in the first treatment center who actually just happened to live there. And she would literally sometimes, I would spend the night at her house. Mm. She would sometimes make me dinner. It was like, I was so, I don't even remember a lot of days, a lot of days. I just do not remember. And so the realization that I wasn't going to be around my daughters again 
took years and years. Yeah. To I'm, sure, really... I'm sure there's still days where you're like, I cannot believe this oh, is God, happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You move through the stages of grief over and over yeah, again. Yeah. And ultimately, well, we could talk a lot about that. Yeah. But I had to find a way daily to say, no matter what is going on in the world, I choose joy. Mm. And how do I do that? So that's where I like to get into the action part and the solution part, because no matter what, we all face some type of insurmountable obstacle in our lifetime. None of us escapes it. In fact, it gives me great peace now because I know everybody's dealing with something. We've all got the cross on our backs. Everybody, right. And that's why I love that quote, like, if we knew what other people were going through, we would never, ever, ever judge them for a second. Right. So when... But I grew up in a religion of origin that was based on a lot of judgment. Mm. So that was one of the things I really had to unlearn. I mean, there was a huge process of unlearning a ton Mm -hmm. of stuff. So at what point does yoga enter the equation? That's a great question because it had been my go-to to to manage stress. Mm. And I had been practicing yoga since I was 19 because I went to it initially because I had a bad back. So the physical is usually where a lot of people start out, Mm -hmm. but the body, mind, and spirit, and the depth, and all the wisdom, and all the yummy stuff had come, but I wasn't relying on that. That was like an adjunct to my running, Mm -hmm. or you know, managing stress, or trying to juggle a career and kids and whatever. It was a thing more than a deep experience that I came to see as my lifeline, Mm -hmm. my partner, Mm -hmm. to a depth of not feeling alone. It's almost like a conversion in a sense. Was there like a moment where you're like, yoga is going to be my partner through this whole process and I'm going to get an RV and hit the road? Like, How did that moment crystallize? Yeah, I had had an idea in Savasana that I needed to redesign my life. Because when I say redesign, I think the big pivotal thing for me was, is I don't need to start over. I have to start from the beginning. Because you never got the chance to start anything. Right. And I chose, which is a very big term that I encourage people to do, I chose to give myself the life I should have had. And I choose that every day. Mm. I choose to give myself the greatest life because now I know I'm worth it. I know I'm valuable now. So before when I didn't know that I was valuable, well, why would I do that? I was just settling, which is what a lot of people do. And women are not encouraged to do the things we think feel good in the moment or the things that bring us joy. We're called selfish, indulgent, bad parents, bad wives, bad whatever. I mean, what is the greatest thing a mother can do is, I would die for my children. And meanwhile, when we do that, we're modeling the biggest bullshit patriarchy message ever, which is that our lives aren't as valuable as men. Therefore, we are handmaidens. But Right. And then we raise another generation of them. So that's another thing that we were taught that is so old and so deep and so ingrained in our psyche that we are now finally angry enough to say, whoa, wait a minute. Hold up. Hold up. Uh-uh. Yeah. yeah. No more. Yeah. But it's collectively taking a huge shift. We need a radical redesign of where we 
place our priority in society, yeah. with each other, yeah. within our own homes, and outside. But more than that, in the deepest, darkest moments, who are we with? We're with ourselves. Oh, totally. So when I have placed everybody in front of me, which is what society says is the only way for The women. only way. I've put myself last. But I had to unlearn that it was selfish to do that. Well, okay, we've been talking about this. We've been writing books about it. People have been talking, but we're not, we're not doing it. it. Yeah. We're not doing it. Yeah. So the big radical message that I try and get across now is, okay, you've probably heard this idea of what's your priorities? Where are you at in the pie of your life? Right. Okay. Well, think about that though. Wait a minute. I'm just a slice of the pie? No, 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 no. I need... <laughs> I'm the driver. Yeah. I'm the driver of my life. And I didn't know that taking responsibility could be wonderful. Mm. Because as we give away our power, mm -hmm. we think it's easier to, I had to have that moment in that rehab where I was like, you know what? Something's not right here. Mm -hmm. And how can I claim responsibility that I'm sitting here when in reality, I could get up and walk out the door. But I didn't. I didn't, right? Yeah. It was still so new to me yeah. that to really now know deep in my heart, I am designing every moment. Wow. There's a radical shift. I lit up like a light bulb. And the energy that was shooting out of me when I all of a sudden realized... You're like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to design my reality. Right. The way that I came to that realization yeah. was flying a plane. This is what I love in the book. So you're, some people approach free time by watching Netflix, and some people scroll on their phones. But Stephanie takes flying lessons. <laughs> It sounds so glamorous and like I had no, it all together. No, it's not even that it's glamorous. It's so brave. Like well, I'd be like, maybe I'll take up knitting. You're like, no, girl, yeah. we're going to learn how to fly. Well, two reasons why. One, I all of a sudden figured out that courage is a skill I could learn. Ooh, that's good. That's a skill. Yeah, it and is. It, you don't always do good at it. That's but it. I could teach myself this. But more than that, I really had to say to myself, a couple of different things. Laying on the couch and watching Netflix was so sad to me. Mm. It reminded me I was alone. <gasps> Six o'clock at night was the worst thing. I would stand at my counter and eat like with something very quickly. I didn't like to eat by myself. I didn't like to be home. So laying on the couch that was not, was even not an the answer. No, because I was so terrified I was going to never get up. And so I all of a sudden thought, okay, you got to get a plan. You got to get some kind of plan. And I was always kind of a list girl, kind of a do girl. Yeah, yeah. And I was valued because I could produce. Yes. So yes, I was like, okay, me we're too. Gonna, yeah. Yes. So you get this. List I'm like, checking is a huge part of my self esteem, which I am working on. <laughs> right. And, and you're doing a great job at it. Well, I don't know. Anyway, back to you. Well, so I, how did flying fit into that then? Well, I'm up there and I get this huge because you read in the book how I got there. I yeah. actually got there by accident, yeah. crying in my car and I bump into this and I'm like, you know what? I've always wanted to do this. So I go in there and they were so smart too. They're like, well, we could take you up tomorrow. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll be here. They're like, oh, close her. Yeah. Close this woman before she exactly. leaves. So I show up and you know what? I was great at it. 
And I had been told my whole life, oh, that's dangerous. Oh, you shouldn't do this. Oh, don't do that. It's also such a masculine power trip to get in a oh, freaking plane and totally, fly it. Totally. Like pilots are dudes. Yeah, usually. totally. Well, no. But the way we grew up, they were. Totally. It's how it was. Well, I couldn't be an astronaut. So what's the next closest thing, oh right? Oh my God, that little girl part of you was like right. nudging right out from I your brain. Going. I am going. So I had been told my whole life, you're too hyper. Well, no, no, no. I've reframed that. I'm high energy. Yes, girl. I was told you're scattered. No, I'm not. I'm multitask oriented. <gasps> high five. High five right? for scattered creative people. Exactly. So all those things, I'm unlearning, I'm unlearning, I'm unlearning. And I get up in that plane and I'm like, yeah, now what? I'm flying the plane. This is my life by God, and I'm great at it, and I'm going to do this thing, and I whatever. And and it was so relieving mm. because I got to give myself all that. So when women are terrified of, wow, I don't know, I couldn't do that. Well, I had to do something. Yeah, I had to do something. And you the, ha- you and have the a choice. What, the what of it isn't important. It's no. starting, and this I think is what I find so interesting about your story is the role that voice, like how you gained access to your voice. And there was a process in this story of you oh, learning to listen totally. to that voice, to listen to that crazy gut instinct that's like, girl, get in that airplane. Yeah. Like that took guts to listen to that inner instinct. Oh my God, I feel so great right now talking about it because I think it's so easy to only remember your mistakes. And there was. I mean, of course, it was a roller coaster and the days were hard. And yes, it was hard, but the value was so far bigger than the the fear that all of a sudden I realized I got to just do something. Life rewards action. That's right. And if you're stuck, or even if you don't think you're stuck and you just want to up-level your life or you want to... Oh my God, all you have to do is something. Just one thing at a time. One thing. It doesn't have to be some huge thing like flying. Mm -hmm. It could be simply saying no Mm -hmm. when you really don't want to do something. It could be telling somebody the truth. It could be sitting with yourself for five minutes in quiet, which is terrifying Terrifying. for people. But what's on the other side of those things? All good stuff. Amazing stuff, right? It's kind of like when people go to yoga. I've never met a person that said, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. They all leave going, wow, I I feel pretty good. That was weird, but I'm into it. You know, like that's the worst I hear from yoga. Exactly. Or, you know what, I didn't like that part, but wow, last night I slept kind of good. Yeah. So get me to the point where you have this idea. Oh, yeah. To rent an RV. I am the only, (laughs) I'm doing two things to get out of the house. I'm so pathetic in the beginning when I have all this free time on my hand and I realize that I have to do something and how sad that I had never considered going back to college when I was in my situation because I would have inconvenienced someone and that was nowhere in my thought process. Even though you wanted to go. Oh, no, I, I always no way you felt could. like such a failure. Even though by all society's barometers of success, I was extremely successful, I always felt like such a failure because I didn't have a college degree. Mm. And so I go to school, and as I'm sitting in school, I realize, uh-oh, I have a summer off. What am I going to do for the summer? Uh-oh, 
uh-oh, uh, okay, I'll go to yoga, I'll do my daily things, and I'll take care of myself, but I have all it's just summer a big long. expanse of yeah. time. So that terrified me. So I thought, okay, well, I got to do something. And because of my background, interviewing other people in my magazine, I thought, I'll just interview yoga teachers. Because at the time, one of my college professors had dared me. She was like, look, Stephanie, we got to get you out of here and back out in the world. And she said, if you want to be a writer... You got to get your, you know, your voice out there. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, what do I do? And, and she said, well, start a blog. I'm like, well, what's a blog? I'll get one of those. <laughs> so I go home and, you know, I Google blog. Thank God for my pal Google, everybody's pal Google. And I'm like, okay, I, uh, WordPress, I'll get one of those and I, I'll make one of those and uh, off I go. And what I write about, well, the only thing I really felt like I was an authority at was yoga. And so it was just a passion thing. And what do I get to do? Ooh, I get to call somebody up that I love and admire and want to be around a yoga teacher because they are all kind of cut from the same cloth. But some of the yoga teachers you have in this book are big time. Oh, yeah, big time. Now, like which famous, oh, no, but famous the, people. Did they just say, sure, Stephanie, right. come on over? Like, well, how that did that was, work? That was the great part of my background. When I was in my early 20s, I worked for ABC TV News, mm-hmm. and I saw that Big celebrities were just people. And then when I had my own magazine, terrifyingly real, they gave me like media passes. And I, like I interviewed Oprah, who I love, by the way. Me too. Oh, la la. What, what was that like? Oh, man. She, <laughs> she is so real, nice, down to earth. And it's really interesting because like I can really relate to the idea that she's really an introvert who presents herself as an mm-hmm. extrovert. I'm with her on that. I'm the yeah, same way. Exactly. I love being by myself. Right. That's why I totally get you. Yeah. Like I can just look in your eyes right now and it's like, oh yeah, I there it, it is. There it. it is. And when I was cleared through Interpol to interview the Dalai Lama, because I'm Buddhist, someone that clearly is not like us at all, and just such a beautiful human being. And I meet him with Mr. Rogers. Oh my God, you're kidding. Because I'm in Pittsburgh and Fred Rogers oh, is he's everywhere. Like, he oh, is no. the Fred name was a wonderful of- man. He was oh a wonderful God. man. And I'm like hanging out with, I call them very high functioning people, but they're just people. And most of them now have surrounded themselves with such a huge struggle to get to them. It was a little bit easier back in the day to call someone up. It's a little bit harder now, actually, because social media and whatever, I think they protect themselves better, Mm. actually. Mm. But I realized a long, long time ago that all they could do was say no. So you just started emailing people? Oh, no, I could call, call God. No problem. I have no problem calling someone and just asking because the worst they can do is say Say no. no. Oh, I need you to like send me that pixie dust. That's something I need to work on. I'm always so worried about using people's time. Like I get so concerned about making sure it's worth their time. Sure, but now we have email. It's great. You're right. And I feel like sometimes it's kind of a numbers game. Mm -hmm. Like even when I was trying to get an agent, you know, it's like, okay, well, don't waste my time. If you're not the right fit, that good. Okay, you're off my plate. Get me to the guy who can. And now, I mean, I just won't be happy until I'm, you know, 
what? Where are we going with this? I keep right. on saying to myself, Stephanie, enjoy what you're doing. My God, you have a published book and you're sitting here with someone you admire. And you've gotten your book won you an award, a yes, Nautilus Award. I'm very proud of that. That's yes. amazing. Yeah, to be recognized by your peers. And it's not like I went out and sought that and applied for it. They actually found and they recognize people who are change agents amazing. in this sector. And I'm really honored by that. Thank you. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a big deal. So, okay, so you decide to rent an RV. Yeah. Okay. Which you don't know how to really no, drive. And you know what's funny? Looking back now, I don't know what I was so worried about, but I got the Are big you one. kidding? I would never freaking big do that. I'd be too scared. <laughs> how the hell do you park that thing? Oh my God, it's awful. <laughs> Ted, Ted, does, Ted doesn't park well. He Ted, needs a Ted lot is the of name space. of the RV. Oh yeah, I had to name him. Oh God, I oh, love yeah. Ted. If we were going to hang out for yeah, all this time. It's an intimate relationship. Absolutely. And Ted does not go a lot of places. Or you need two parking spots. I or, love that one interview you do, you have to like leave Ted wherever and rent a car to go interview oh, the totally. yoga. Structure. I'm trying to park in Malibu. You know, like there's no place in LA to park a big RV. It's crazy. But what was so great is I realized on the road a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. That was another huge radical moment when I realized, you know what? I remember back in the day in high school when I was learning how to code and nerds were weird. I mean, where are we sitting right now? Oh my God. The in valley. the epicenter yeah. of nerddom. Yeah. And now it's cool to be a nerd. Oh, yes, it is. But back in the day... They're the ones with the planes now. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Let's hear it for the nerds. But back in the day as a kid, when I was, you know, smart but dumbing down, Yeah. when yeah. I, you know, was adventurous, but the only real girl that I had ever seen who was adventurous was Dorothy... You know, in the Wizard of Oz? Oh, my favorite movie ever. And of course, I live in the town where L. Frank Baum lived no now. Way. My library has a huge Wizard of Oz display. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is a little, it gets a little circular after a while. It's a little oh, creepy. I feel like that's, I love it. that's the way the universe yeah, works. Yeah, right? I love it. So, okay, so you so did I so need you make, an adventure. And yeah. I'm on the road, and I realize, oh my God, this is a book. It's going to happen anyway. It's going to unfold, and the bad stuff is going to be really good. Yeah. And all I have to do is just find a different yoga teacher every day. And so I did do some planning before because some of the big names, I yeah. had to set things up. Yeah. And But I thought, well, I'm going to go and meet people I really want to meet, like a Rolf Gates yeah. and like a Richard Rosen. And I thought, oh, wow, if I could just, I have an excuse. And you know what's so bizarre? You'd be amazed, and you know more than anybody is that if you simply ask and people have the time, they're so giving Amazing. and so real and vulnerable. Especially and if the ask is clear yeah, and efficiently articulated. Well, you know? that's a struggle for me. But I, well, no, but I, yeah. I, I don't know that it is. You were so successful in getting these people. So what was your intention? Was your intention... Well, my first thing started out as I wanted one a day. Mm -hmm. I thought, this is the book that I wished I would have had. Because I was already into yoga, and I understood the principle behind, and this is something that people need to understand. I keep it very simple. How you do yoga is how you do life. Mm. So I thought, okay. <gasps> oh, my God, Stephanie, I'm having a moment. Oh, no. So let's say you're on your mat, and you're all frustrated and <sighs> yeah, angry. Yeah. Hmm. Am I frustrated and angry when I'm the rest of the day? Or let's say I get to my yoga class, and I put my mat down, and I'm so 
upset because I put my mat in the same place every day. And somebody's already there. You've seen that person, right? Oh, 100%. People freak out about that. people like that in all walks of life. But the emotion I'm having right now is that I haven't been doing yoga lately, even though yoga has been with me since I was like 20 years old. Same. It's like, I don't know how to articulate how much I love yoga, but I haven't been doing it lately because it doesn't feel like a hard enough workout for me. But- The classic thing is I've been not doing the thing I love because it doesn't feel like it's enough, which is such a metaphor for how I've been living lately. Oh my God. Like even I'm when having I'm a moment with you right out, now, it's I'm never ha- enough. I'm having that same thing right now. Really? Because when I first started out, it was a very physical practice, Ashtanga. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I loved. Yes. And not because of the body. The great body's the bonus. Yeah. And the looking 10 years younger than you're supposed to look is the bonus. What I know now is it was the sequencing, the philosophy, the eight limbs of yoga. It was the whole whole package. package, But yet at the time, my back felt better. Yeah. Well, now it's as every year that I get older, I think I'm still 24. Yeah. Well, you look 24. I mean, I wish y'all could see what I'm seeing. It's shocking. It takes one to know one, everybody, just so you know. She looks fabulous. And we're in her gorgeous house, and I'm so happy to be here. everywhere. Well, you have got to go back because here's the key. I have the best studio in my town, Willow Glen Yoga, Kent Bond, if you're listening. It's the freaking best studio. I don't know why the hell I'm not there I don't know why we didn't plan on going We should have gone. Well, Well, I would have looked at you and been like, oh, Christ almighty. No, stop it. And that's the key is that... If you're missing something, it's either you got to go someplace else, got to try a different teacher. I am not a proponent of yoga with goats or alcohol or whatever. <laughs> goats or alcohol. Oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh my God, stop already, people. Yeah. But it should be fun and it yeah. should be interesting. And I've struggled lately with the idea that, so now I've actually had to go outside of yoga and try things like Pilates mm. and going back to a personal trainer or mm-hmm. whatever, because mm-hmm. I've had two ACL surgeries and a new hip. Oh, geez. Yeah, but it's all fixable. I'm a new upgraded version. That's right. And we're all going to be bionic. If everybody's going to live to 100, That's right. you should be an orthopedic surgeon if you haven't picked a career yet. Yeah. Because we're because all, all our parts super are starting fit. to fall apart. Right. And then we, I grew up with Jane Fonda and the group that ate well. Ate organic, took care of ourselves, but the cage is breaking down. Yeah. No, I like the physical practice. Mm -hmm. So I have. I've done yoga in different languages, inside, outside, Mm. yin to kundalini. I can woo-woo with you and we can dance, trance and whatever. But at the same time, I like an Ashtanga class and I can't find one right now. Oh. And I just Time to start one. I guess, because I just said to someone in other countries that I visit, Mm. it's still kind of old school. It's wow. gotten too fitness oriented in the United States yeah. without the, the depth. spiritual. Right. So the body, mind, and spirit is all body. Where are you getting the mind and the spirit? Yeah. yeah. And so maybe the physical mm. could still be there for you, but you got to try something different. You're right. You know, it's so interesting. There's this movement, and God knows it's in LA too, but Soul Cycle and spin classes right. are such a huge part of everyone. I love, 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 love my spin classes. And part of it is because we're getting some of our spiritual needs met on the bike. That's awesome. And it's paired up with endorphins, which is powerful, which I think is what initially brought me to yoga. 
I get that as a past runner. Yeah, I wanted right. that runner's high. That I mean, because you have to push yourself really hard to get that cacao. But anyway, right. I just think it's interesting. I think because organized religion has lost a lot of its credibility for various reasons. I'm Catholic, so we're sure. in a crisis. Yeah, people are having to get their spirit needs met elsewhere. I agree. I agree. And you know, spin is one way. And I think sometimes yoga is losing that spiritual dimension by becoming about the body and the muscles and the pretzels. Yeah. And I continue to try not sound like a cynical, angry old lady when I say, I miss the yoga that Mm -hmm. I first grew up with and learned and loved. So I try and give that to my students. Or if not, then I still try, I have to work a little bit harder Mm -hmm. to surround myself with people who can give me that, or I can give myself, but who I feel sorry for is the young people that are coming in now that don't have what I had. So I think there's a room for everything, but yet at the same time, like any fad, I think people are going to move on to something else. And the mainstreaming of yoga is going to go the way of other things, but the tradition, I mean, it's been around for thousands, thousands of, years. of years. And everything goes it's retro be there. eventually, right. right? We all go back to the origin of everything. But point. as long as you're connecting breath to movement or some kind of mindfulness practice, mm-hmm. you're doing yoga. Yeah, that's so true. You're still doing yoga. I am. And, you know, the other classes I take, like heated hit and stuff like that, they definitely integrate so much yoga in it as well. But here's what I want to ask you. So you get your RV, you go interview all of these yoga instructors, yes. you're pulling this amazing wisdom, which is what the book, it's like your story interwoven with the wisdom of these incredible masters. Incredible people. Which is phenomenal. But as a communication coach, I am interested in your practice of using your voice and tuning into your voice right. and the arc of you getting good at that. I love the way that you say that it's a practice mm-hmm. because it is. And I had to create a toolbox and I had to try a ton of things and I continue to try things. And I feel like it's a very organic way of self-love. So what I did is tried certain things. Like I set up a ritual for myself and I go into this in great depth in the book. Mm -hmm. Two things I go into great depth is how as a woman to find your voice or to reclaim, or if you're scared, how to speak up for yourself. Mm -hmm. But also in the book, I go into my daily ritual. Yeah. So a ritual that I created for myself. Now, remember, I had a lot of time on my hands, but anybody can do this if you develop a simple daily check-in. And if you'll allow me, I'll take you through it real quick. Yes, tell me. So in the morning when you get up, and I like to write mine down, but you don't have to. It shouldn't take any longer than five minutes. And it's shocking to me that no one does this. And I was never taught this, by the way. In the morning I get up and I write down in a journal the acronym B-I-E-S-S. And I sit down and I say... B-I-E-S-S. Correct. Okay. So the B... I go, okay, body, how's my body feel? I check in. Okay, someday, oh, my shoulder hurts, or, ooh, I feel really good today. Oh, man, I didn't sleep good. Whatever it is, I put it down. But here's the big key. I ask myself, what do you need today? Oh, lovely. So. That's beautiful. And who am I talking to? My intuition. Who I've just learned that I can actually go to. So I go, okay, what do you need? Okay, if I can't come up with what I really need, my go-to is yoga, right? Yeah. Okay, moving on down. I, B-I-E-S-S, mm-hmm. body, intellect, 
So I said, okay, how's my intellect today? Oh, man, I'm stressed. Or, God, dog it, girl, quit, you know, thinking you got to do that, do that, do that. Chill out. What do you need today? You know what? I actually really need, just need some fun. I've been yes. sitting behind my computer too much. You know, I don't care if it's like an artist date or whatever you want to call it. Just yeah. go to the museum or just it's get out of the house. my favorite thing to do. God, why don't you, you live down the street but from me? You, I know. We would be oh up at each other's grills. But when you ask your intellect yep. what it needs, you gotta stop how and listen. do you know when it's your inner mean girl going, you don't get to have adventure today? Oh, no, no, no. you got to get That's through a this whole damn other list. Talk. We have a whole other oh, talk. No. You're going to tell that mean girl to take a seat in the back of the car. She needs to shut up. Wait, I met her on the road trip <laughs> and she is not driving anymore. <laughs> You can sit in the back, but you, you are not driving Like anymore. Liz Gilbert says, you can't touch the radio. Who actually told me to write my book? Thank you, Liz Gilbert. I, I love you so that. much. She is, I have such a girl crush on Elizabeth Wait, Gilbert. Total girl crush. You I know think why? she's amazing. She's so real. And she said to me, Stephanie, go write your book. She said, nobody likes my other work. Nobody likes my other work. She said, that was a fluke. That book was a fluke. Now she's done big magic. Wow. She's always with Oprah hanging out or she's whatever. Amazing. She's, she's an amazing. incredible teacher. She's an incredible teacher. Yeah. And I think, too, she had to finally say, wow, I got something to say that people are really listening to. And you know what I liked about her Talk story? About finding your voice. Which, to me, is parallels what you are doing. There was like two types of people that reacted to Eat, Pray, Love. Those who absolutely freaking loved it. Mm -hmm. And those who were like... That woman had everything. She had mm -hmm. a perfect life. Right. And we're supposed to feel sorry for her because yeah. her marriage wasn't perfect. Yeah. Like, give me a freaking break. Oh, no, I've and then the she, reviews. Yeah. People have and said she's she, so selfish. I'm, I'm like, like, what? And yeah. then they get mad at her because she had the resources to get herself to all of these fabulous places. Like, oh, well, she's so privileged, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, why can't it be okay for women of all different types to explore themselves. The one with resources yeah. and the ones without. Like, we need all the stories. Why are we silencing? But that goes back to what we were saying about women need to radically redefine how we value ourselves. That's right. How we value each other. Yep. How we support each other. Thank God. I'm the first time I heard about Time's Up, I'm like, oh, I'll send you a check. What do you need? You know, we need oh, to help yes. each other. Yeah. And yeah. there are a lot of women, but we're so busy. And we yeah. got husbands and kids and careers and whatever, yeah. is that that, I think, has not allowed us the ability to go, huh, who's a mentor that I want to meet? Well, like you do, I radically went out and found them. Yeah, yeah. And what I did is I assigned people like Elizabeth Gilbert and Oprah, they're my mentors. Of course, they don't know much. Oh, yeah. Oprah's been on my bulletin board since I was like 15. Right. So, <laughs> She's my surrogate mother. I don't think she knows that. Oh, see, I like that even better. <laughs> I like that even better. But they don't have to know you've assigned them yeah. as your mentor. Yeah. But if you go out and surround yourself with these people, even if it's not them physically, it's their words, it's their voice. And it raises your vibrations and exactly. you make different choices. I totally and completely agree. Okay, so body, oh, yeah. intellect. Right. So then I sit down and I just really quickly jot it down, which I think there's magic in as a I writer. I'm sorry. Me too. Handwritten. Yeah, not the computer. Just two seconds. Yeah. Good. I yeah. love that. And then emotional self. This is one that people leave out because you'll notice the last one, the SS is spiritual self mm. or your best self. So what do we have? We have body, mind, and spirit, but I added an emotion. So we have B-I-E is your emotional self. Mm. So I say, huh, how's your emotional self today? Well, okay. Do you want to eat chocolate cake today? <laughs> do you, you know, it's that dirty seven-year-old little girl that wanted to be the astronaut. How's she doing? Mm. And people have said, well, is it like, you know, child work? Or what? No, it's just 
the emotional part because when I was suffering, you physically feel it. When you're suffering grief or anxiety or fear, you know, you feel feel that in your body. So emotions are important. I think if we repress them, the body talks back. Exactly. And it comes out sideways Mm -hmm. or it comes out, people, you know, find these bad tools to Mm -hmm. utilize that really don't work so well, but they try them on. Like booze and and everything else. Exactly. And we don't need a Pixar movie to tell us that all of our emotions are good. We need to tell ourselves that it's okay. You know, today, if you're feeling really bad and you really just want to crawl up on the couch and watch Netflix... Do it. Don't do it every day. Yeah, but meet that need. But if you need to do yeah, it today. Just yesterday, I'm so exhausted. Like things are so cranked up in my life, personally and professionally. And I was signed up to do spin class on Monday morning. And I checked in and I was like, the last thing I need right now is thumping music and human bodies around me. So I took my dog and we went on this amazing hike. And I looked like a catcher's mitt when I woke up. I was so shattered looking, yeah. just leathery and awful. I got done with that hike. I looked 20 years younger. But you just checked in with your intuition. Exactly. That's all it was. Exactly. Is, Wait a minute. Okay, so there's that pause. So this is where yoga comes in and breath or mindfulness and awareness. So self-awareness matched with reflection and action. Mm. So some people have self-awareness. I know all my stuff, but without action, it's just I'm sitting in my stuff. You're just sitting in your own poop, basically. But, but the piece that I had been missing that I was never taught as a child, this is all we're doing right now, is the reflective part. Mm. So other people that are linear thinkers kind of do that already, or they were taught by their parents, or somebody actually asked them and listened. Mm. And so... This new thing for me where I just simply say, okay, emotional self, what's going on today? And a lot of times it's just, oh my God, I feel sparkly. And I can just see this little kid with dirty and having fun. But what do you need today? Well, you know what? You actually need to sit down and and write your five pages today, girl. You know, strap yourself into that chair. Exactly. Yeah. You can play all you want. And that's been a hard one for me too, to acknowledge that play is good. Yeah. Because I was always just taught you got to work, you got to make money, you got to succeed, you got to go, 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 do, do, do. But just having fun, just for the sake of fun, without like painting a picture, ooh, there's a product in there. Yeah. Or writing a something, it's got to be really good, doesn't it? It's got to have commercial potential. Something. Yeah. There's always like a something, something. Yeah. No, just go out and sit in the front yard and yeah. was the last time you looked up at the clouds or whatever? I know, it's so true. It's, We're busy, you know, busy, busy. And there's a currency with that in America. There is, and it's slowly losing its grip. I agree. In fact, right now, the biggest buzz going on is all these meditation centers. People are like, I'm getting off the train. I am freaking out. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. Now, I think it's such a part of a wellness model in a balanced life to include that, not at the exclusion of other things. But for me, I still like the physical practice of going to something to access that quiet, still, whatever. We're talking about five minutes in the morning. Yeah, It's been life-changing for me. So then the spiritual self is really cool because it's really just your best self. So think about the aspects that you love 
of Oprah right now. Mm. Like, give me something you love that she has. She owns her power unapologetically. I love that. But you realize you've got that in you. It's like my life's work to figure that out and claim it every day. Right. So I feel like I'm starting from scratch every day. And then by about 10 a.m., I'm like, oh, yes, I know how to do this again. Yes. (laughs) But what's great is you realize that aspect of what you admire is in you. Now, a lot of people haven't figured that out yet. It's hard to realize that. It is. And it's not ego it's not your ego going, oh, I'm just for, because you actually are helping people. So someone that you admire that is doing that, mm. you can learn and same thing. You could teach yourself how to do it. You can. Now you might not do it the way they do it. Oh, hello. There's the beauty of that. Yeah. My own unique me mm-hmm. has something to contribute. We all do. Yeah. And I love it that now there's even a movement away from this idea that we're all supposed to be Instagram celebrities or oh, something. Jesus, I, I mean, know. say hello to a neighbor that you pass. I yeah. try now in the morning when I walk my dog just to even say hello to somebody because I remember those days that I was all by myself oh. and didn't speak to people for days. Oh, God. And somebody just saying hello to me was like such a huge thing. Oh. And now I know, like I startle people sometimes and they're like, good morning. Like, <laughs> oh my God. And I'm just like, just looking at another person and saying hello, you know, instead of people down on their gadgets or what, I mean, we've heard yeah. too much yeah. about this now, yeah. people. Yeah. But just to connect with another human being it's in so an authentic valuable. way and look somebody in the eyes I and know. say, how are you? And then stop and actually listen. I know. It's lovely. It's so true. It's so true. And I feel like we're getting groomed to live our lives as if they're elaborate fronts. Like, let me construct an Instagram vibe yeah. that is unassailably glorious Well, I, and make everybody feel like shit. Yeah. I am <laughs> such a huge proponent of do not do that. That is terrifying to me. The scariest ones for me is the mommy bloggers. Mm. It's not only now I got to be a perfect mom and I'm going to be judged for that. I got to tell you how perfect I am. And then we're all going to like measure who's gotten, like be careful because even the other day I was pitched the idea. I sent this woman a book and my intern had found her and she had said, oh, I'd love to see the book. And then she immediately starts saying, well, I'd like $50 for Mother's Day to be included in my picks for Mother's Day. I'm like, first off, Are you going to tell people that this is a paid thing? Second off, if you've read my book, you realize Mother's Day is actually the hardest day of the year for me. It's the worst day of the year for you. It's the worst day of the year for me. Because it was taken from you. Right. And now you want me to somehow use Mother's Day? That's disgusting. Yeah. Anyway, be careful, people, because you got to discern for yourself. So like your friends, I say you have to cultivate your tribe of positivity and influencing yourself. You know, you are influencing yourself. You don't want to look to the influencer. Mm -hmm. You want to go inside and look. I know. That influencer culture is wild. Yeah. Especially even the yoga community. Instagram is huge. Because now they have a visual way to get eyeballs. And the majority of those scary, scary poses that you're seeing when somebody turns their head to look at the camera is wrong. Oh God, it's so dangerous. Yeah, you see the ribs sticking out and they're not really The alignment isn't right. But they're 22 and gorgeous, so whatever. Exactly. I mean... (laughs) God bless them. No shade meant. No. If I could do it, I probably would. I don't know. I don't think. In fact, I rarely do a yoga pose 
yeah. in any of my social media. And everyone's all I do because I do love it. Yeah. I love yoga. It's yeah. the it's beautiful. Last last yeah. but not least spiritual self. Mm-hmm. So here's the big key that that one's different. So you check in with your spiritual mm-hmm. self, but instead of what do you need, it's what's the message? And your highest self, your best self, call it your spiritual self, whatever you want to call it, has a message for you every day. You don't have to draw a card from a tarot deck. It's Which already in you. That's for you. Too. Me too. I got you. Right? But, but you don't have to. Try that. And it's amazing to me that mine is incredibly loving and she always, she's like my biggest fan. And that's a huge radical shift that has come from me doing this work and having those horrible days and having all of the crazy up and down and, you know, starting over and all that stuff is that there is an opportunity to start over. You can do it. If I can do it, Mm -hmm. anybody can do it. So for people listening who are in limiting relationships, maybe they're not as extreme or maybe they're more extreme and they're terrified, like they're almost afraid to admit to themselves that it's time to make a move. Yeah. What advice do you have for those folks? Wow, this is a really powerful question. And I love that you also brought up the financial resources. This is a big key. I know a lot of women that stay because they're terrified of not being able to take care of themselves. First off, and I go into this in great deal, you can surround yourself with people that really do want to help you and people who really will love you. And I didn't believe that, but it's true. And you don't need 50. You need three or five or one. Yeah. But you need somebody that you can be real with and confide with and tell them. And then here's the thing. Let's say, for instance, you're just like, I am sick of this person and I am so out of here or whatever. What is the day that you quit having that courageous conversation with yourself or your partner? What is the day in your marriage? Like, I thought my ex-husband was my best friend. We relied on that through the ups and downs, through infertility, through being broke, through moving across the country. I thought this was my best friend. But what was the day that we quit really saying what we should have said to each other? And what was it? I don't know. And I think about that a lot. Because well, what, he clearly had it too. But what's so it, the, the I call value it courageous of, conversations. So uh, let's say, yeah, for yeah, instance, yeah. you and I've thank God got a man who has the emotional intelligence and has had some therapy. Yeah, that I can now have a courageous conversation with. That it still can be terrifying. Yes, but that I can say this is what I need and what I want. Now he doesn't have to provide that for me. I have to provide That's it right. for me. That's right. But I can at least speak it. And it doesn't drive that wedge. Right. But here's the key. Everybody has that day. And I know that there's a lot of really wonderful people like Harville Hendricks and like there's a Mago therapy. There's ways to learn active listening mm-hmm. or how to... Nonviolent communication. Nonviolent Boy, communication. that book is powerful. Oh my God, I had to learn how to do that. Me I, too. I, from right. scratch. And I think we should teach this in schools to kids. I agree with you. Or even this check-in in the morning. Yeah. Like now in the morning, Michael and I get up with no technology and we say, how do you feel? Not how are you? Because how are you is a yes or no question. It's kind of loaded, isn't it? But and it what you mean realize, anything. no, but what you realize when you say is how you feel is that you have to define it. It can't just be good or bad. You have to say, well, I'm feeling a little anxiety today. 
and then the other person doesn't interrupt. But what you realize and you come away with from this conversation is 95% of it has nothing to do with you. So true. And as women, I feel like when people are in a bad mood, I'm like, <gasps> Me too. what did I do? Right. What did I do? Right. It's because my we're fault. taught that. Yes. yes and we we're are. either supposed to fix it or immediately, I think it's when you love someone, mm-hmm. your default is like, oh my God. I got to fix how it. How can I help you? Yeah. Oh, and that's lovely, right? But at the same time, maybe they just need some to hear it. Yeah. Or maybe at the same time, if you're really thinking, well, I want out, you can fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say you think, I am so done with this and I want out. I had never had a fight with my ex-husband. We never fought. I remember we would come home from a dinner party going, woo, that couple talks about working on their relationship. Aren't we lucky? And we would kind of go to each other like, whoo, thank God we don't have to do anything. Oh, we, Jesus. But you know what? The truth was we should have been doing something. Yeah, yeah. And at least real. at a real deep soul level, if this person isn't the one you're supposed to be with, you can get out and start over. It sounds like what you're saying is there's the, I got to get out of this that's born of it's an unhealthy situation, but there's also that I got to get out of this because I'm too goddamn scared yeah. to have a real conversation about right. what I really need. Exactly. And, and sometimes as a result, you don't want to hurt the on. person too. No, you don't want to hurt. And also like, it's so devastating, the truth you want to say that you're like, I can't say this to this person, so I'm going to move on. Right. Or it's too hard. Yeah. When you don't realize that maybe someone has been there before yeah. and you could get some type of therapy or yeah. you get out and you let the person move on. Yeah. But we drag it on or we stay and you live with regret or you're that angry old couple who pick at each other. I mean, you've been there. I've I, seen it. It's yeah. my thing. I don't want to be that angry Me old neither. couple that picks at each other. So yeah. I remember we set up rules in the yeah. beginning. We so created smart. a vision statement of simple things like kindness. I love that. But also, too, both being in 50-something percent now of marriages end in divorce, and we both made a clear choice. I'm back to choice again. Yeah. I'm not going to do it again unless I get to say what I need to say, and it is going to be what I really need and want. And, of course, consider their needs and whatever, but a real partner. And I... Every opportunity that I speak to a young woman, I say, don't settle. Oh, God, don't I settle. Know, I know. And <gasps> it, you get to pick. And this is another thing yes. I tell them. This is not Cinderella. You get to pick. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. the woman who just wrote that book about you're the wolf. You weren't oh, a little red Wambach. Oh, my God. I know. She is amazing. Oh, my God. She's amazing. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so I look to all these other people because as a poor girl who only real resource was to go to the library and get a book. I still go out and get a book. Yeah. If you don't know about something, the library is free. Yeah. And if you can't get an attorney, there are free attorneys that can help you. If you don't know where to go, how do they find use free the attorneys? Internet. How do they find free attorneys to help them? Google that. I'm a scared woman. Google your question. I'm a woman who's afraid to leave my husband because, or I'm afraid I can't make a living, or I'm... And it just is all there. And it all comes up. And that's something. It all comes up. So all of the reasons a woman, I mean, geez, it could be a man too. All the reasons that you think you have, I can't afford an attorney. Right. I don't know what to do next. Where would I go? How do I stay safe? Right. The resources are all there. Right. And of course, somebody might say to me now, well, Steph, you know that now because you're on the other side and you really didn't pick anything, did you? You just kind of got 
thrown into rehab and then thrown out and it, it kind of tumbled along. But the truth is, is every single moment, every single day, I had to claim responsibility. And I am a part of the reason that my daughters don't talk to me. Yeah. I trained my daughters that my needs, my wants, and my existence was not as important as everybody else. So, of course, they placed me last. Mm, God, that is so hard. And I think so many people do it in subtle, subtle ways. Subtle ways they don't even realize. They're, and they think they're being good girls about yes. it. No, in fact, I always thought that I was just going to be like super mom, and somehow the teenage years were going to be different for me. And I just saw myself as that mom who always... So the things that you fear probably aren't going to happen. But life is going to continue to throw things at yeah, you anyway. Yeah. Well, this is what I think is so powerful about the check-in you describe and your story of reclaiming your voice and figuring out who you are and what you want Yeah, is that life beats the shit out of us yes. anyway. Yeah. And if you don't have that foundation of intuition and voice, right. it's not going to be a great experience in this human right. meat suit, right. right? It's going to be awful. And nobody, Whereas if you have that foundation of voice, you know how to check in, you know how to get your needs met. Yeah, life's brutal, but it's also freaking amazing. It is. And that's the thing I do want to focus on for a minute too, is that it can be a life of unlimited potential. And joy. And joy. joy. And fun. And, and exciting. And yes, you can hold two emotions on the same day. Mm-hmm. I can have extreme grief and happiness. I now know you can hold multiple things at the same time. Yeah, It's not being disloyal no. or it's not discrediting to no. be happy when you've got trauma and grief. You can have both. Exactly. Yeah, and you can take that like a lot of people do that yeah. have suffered some type of something, some yeah. type of loss. Yeah. You can help somebody else. Yeah. And that's where I also had to claim that my voice was valuable. Mm-hmm. So as I was writing the book and I was terrified, all I had to do was think, if I can help one other person, I'll have done it's a good job. It's worth it. It's worth it. If you can change one person's yeah. stars, if somebody would have actually asked me, how are you? And I felt safe enough to really tell them, I don't know what would have been different. No, my life is unfolding for me the way that the way it, it should. Yeah, and yeah. you have to trust the process, mm. but you have to act. The difference is, is you can't just wish for things. You have to take small steps. Yeah. It's not big steps. And that's the thing. It's like everything happens one small step at a time. Right. Moment to moment. You're moment living, to moment. You're, and people sometimes yeah. don't want to hear that. Like I get asked all the time, like, how did you get started doing this? And da 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 da. And they don't like to hear it's hard work. That it was and, thousands of hours yeah. and it was taking risks yeah. when I was scared shitless. Right. And doing one little thing at a time. People right. are like, no, 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 no. Which workshop did you take yeah. uh-huh. that got you certified? I don't have yeah. a certification. Yeah. I, this is all from thousands and thousands of hours of work. Right. But the bad news is that sounds overwhelming. The good news is it's just one step at a time. Right. So just do something. Just one thing. Or nothing. Like if you can just sit and be quiet for a minute and Mm. love yourself for who you are and not worry about comparing yourself to somebody else and be grateful for what you have. I've also found that love and fear cannot exist in the same place. Mm. So if you can somehow say, you know, fear, you're going to take a seat in the back of the truck today. Yeah, yeah. Ted and I are heading down the road. <laughs> we're, we're hitting the road. We're going to find a parking going. place. That's right. And if yeah. not, 
then I am responsible. And you know what? That's okay even on the bad days. Yeah. And I just... Yeah. Earth school is hard. I always go back to that. Earth school is hard. Yeah. Okay, Stephanie... I love you. Aww, I could talk I'm for so days. Happy. Thank you Thank so much you. for this. I love you too. Buy the book, Yoga Wisdom. It's awesome. It's beautiful. And good luck to you, my dear. Oh my God, I'm your biggest fan. I love you. I'm your fan too. Aww. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> 